What's up, bikers? I just realized I didn't even have my mic in front of me. You would think 148 episodes into this, I would have my stuff together. But guess what? Here we are. Anyways, thank you all for showing up and listening to today's episode 148 with Bevo. God, we just had a conversation about this, and I swear to God, I just probably screwed it up. But let's just go with it for right now. It's Bevo. Anyways, they make metal water bottles. And I had all kinds of questions about this as soon as as soon as soon the, the first site came to me. I was like, wait a minute. You can't squeeze that. That doesn't make any sense. Do I have to take a lid off every time? We're going to find out about all of that in a minute. But before we do that, thank you to everybody on Patreon. You guys are supporting this channel and the Biker channel. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. If any of you guys are interested, you can get some early release videos. You can get some stickers. You can get some different things. Swing by there and uh, help me out. It definitely, uh, it puts beer in the fridge. It buys camera gear. It does all the things that keep these channels going. So I really appreciate everybody out there. You guys are my sponsors. So um, until until the YouTube dump truck of money shows up in my house, which it's been quite a while. I don't think they're coming. Um, you guys are the ones that keep this, keep this thing going. So I really appreciate everybody out there. Those of you guys that haven't followed me on Instagram or Facebook, please do that. Go over to at biker B one. You can get something for free over there. Like find out the new bike that I'm riding. Um, let's see if you're on suit, if you're on, if you're on YouTube, you can hit the subscribe button or the thumbs up. And if you listen to Apple podcasts, that would be really rad. If you go over there and write a five-star review, because those reviews is what like triggers the, the podcast algorithm to know you guys are, that I'm doing something right. So it's, it's really good to read those as well. They're, they're like super motivating. So those of you that don't want to write a review, you just put a comment down below on the YouTube channel. So. I like to respond to those as well. Nonetheless, let's go ahead and bring Karina back on. And hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Did I say it right or did I screw it up? Or for already you screwed it up. up. But that's okay. I did. It, it, it's been <laughs> okay. up. I told you that because we had that conversation, I was going to mess it up. I knew it was going to happen. I know. So. <laughs> he had it right before the before the recording started. So, but it's all good. A lot it was like the last thing that I heard. Oh. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's get it. Let's get it right. So it's Bivo. Bivo. Correct. Why'd you guys come up with that name? Um, it's a combination of to uh, drink in Latin and uh, to live in Spanish. Oh, right on. Yeah. Was, was there like a big board and like you guys took hours and hours to come up with it or? It did take a while, um, you know, though, we have a person who helped us out from the beginning, our brand director, Mark Beard, and he's very good with words. And he came up with that one pretty quickly, actually. And when we heard it, we and saw it that the four letters is kind of nice. And um, he did the logo right away, too. So it was actually a pretty quick process, but still fun to come up with. And it's always hard, I think, in the beginning to name things because it's so permanent. So yeah. uh, it, was, it was it was fun to make that decision. But. And you're like, you're like, we made up this word. We should be able to get the domain and you get online and nope. That's right. <laughs> yes. Drinkbivo.com. Yep. Yeah. 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 So for everybody that's going to be searching this later, definitely drinkbivo.com. So B-I-V-O.com. That's pretty easy to remember. Um, that's a bummer with the, uh, with the URL. I know that's always one because I'm a, I do it. That's my day job. Yeah. So I'm always like, okay, this is a great name. And then I go to domain search. And I'm like, and eh, start over. So. Yeah, it's amazing. That that actually probably was the hardest thing is just like what hashtag isn't taken at yeah. on Instagram and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. So um, you are one of the founders? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, my husband and I founded it together. How long have you guys been doing this? We launched in late 2020, and we came up with the idea in 2019. So it took uh -huh. us about 18 months to develop the bottle before we were able to launch it. So your husband and you are both cyclists and like, how did, how did it come about? You're on like some grueling ride and thought you could do something better or? Yeah, kind of. So we, uh, we have a daughter who's four. Um, now we have a one-year-old son too, but when our daughter was just starting in daycare, we were out skiing. So I was a cross-country ski racer. Um, so big endurance enthusiast. Uh, I started riding after college. Um, but we were out skiing together and we didn't want to feed our daughter out of plastic. And when we were realizing every time we exercise, we drink out of plastic ourselves. So we went home and quickly started searching for alternatives to drinking um, out of anything besides plastic while exercising. And there really wasn't a good solution. And particularly in cycling, there was nothing that fit in a bike cage that was designed to fit in a bike cage. So we, when we discovered that hole, we were like, all right, we got to jump on this. We were actually um, product developers in footwear. So mm -hmm. we knew how to make product and we knew supply chain quite well. So that piece of the puzzle was um, a little bit easier for us as a startup. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we just started designing it within the like two weeks after coming up with the idea. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys like work at the same firm or you guys met each other in college or just so happened to both be doing the same thing. Yeah, I actually, so I started a, the parent company of Keen Footwear and I lived in China for them for the first few months. And then I moved to Portland, Oregon to be in their um, innovation group. So after five years there, I was a big part of my job was coming up with new designs, um, like manufacturing techniques and setting up manufacturing relationships across the globe. So mm -hmm. after being there for five years, I started my own firm called Line Concept Creation. It was a footwear product development and um, sourcing agency. And so when I was leaving that, um, when I was leaving the parent company of Keen is actually right when I met my husband. He was working at Icebreaker Merino. Um, and then about a year later, he left and joined my firm. So we ran that huh. together for about 10 years. Oh, right on. Yeah. How do you even get into that? Like, like to me, it's yeah. not like you go to college. You're like, I want to do like supply chain for footwear. <laughs> no, I had a degree in uh, European studies and a minor in math. So made a lot <laughs> to move over to China. Uh, I worked at an outdoor store in high school uh, uh -huh. over the summers and I was a cross country ski racer. So I was definitely into how product worked and how it improved performance. Um, and I met the owner of Keen, and when I met him and told him I was inter interested in product development, he suggested I move to China. So I was able to secure a job through them um, where I was my first my first task was um, credits for factory defective product. And um, so I just would go to factory to factory um, looking at how things were made. And it was just mm -hmm. like kind of that that show or the podcast, uh, how how you um, how things, I think it's how you make that. Um, it, it's kind of like, it was just a really good introduction to how product was made and see it going mm -hmm. down the line was super interesting. Oh, wow. Right on. Yeah. And how you were like just early twenties in China for the first yeah. time. Yeah. That must have yep. been a little overwhelming. Yeah. So I grew up in Western Massachusetts and then the second half of my 
high school was in Vermont, and then I went to UVM, University of Vermont, and ski race there. Um, and so my biggest city I had ever lived in was Burlington, Vermont, which I think at the time was probably like 20, 25,000 people. <laughs> and then I, moved, I moved to a city that was like 11 million, Guangzhou, China. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was definitely culture shock, but I've always uh, really enjoyed traveling and experiencing different cultures. I lived in Europe in high school for one year. Um, so I think that element of it was just, it was a really good new experience for me. And I absolutely fell in love with product development when I lived over there. Yeah. Yeah. Where at in Europe were you? Norway. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I, I spent a little bit of time in Norway up in like the way Northern part of it. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely really pretty up there. Yeah, it is. Um, so when you were checking out all these factories over there, was it like anything like because you were working under Keen? Was it just like footwear stuff or like did those factories do like all kinds of things? Yeah, it was mostly footwear. There was some bag manufacturing that we were part of. So I went to a few different factories, but for the most part, for the most part, it was footwear. Once in a while, we did tours of something special. Like we did a, a carbon fiber factory tour at one point just to understand how different processes work. It's kind of good to just see like different types of manufacturing and see if there's any way to implement that into the product we were making. So we did do some exploration that way. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at that stuff, I would imagine that it's similar to the bike industry where there's probably factories that are like kind of like ripping off other people's designs and, and building that. Is it like as rampant as like, one would believe from you know looking at the internet or is it really like not not that much yeah i think it really depends on the factories that you're in and it definitely is a concern that you have to be aware of but i think there's so much international business at this point that you really if you're working with the right factories um and being good partners with them i think that there's definitely ways to avoid it um it's mm -hmm. something you absolutely have to be aware of and protect yourself with but um it, yeah it's it's they don't want to mess too much with your business because that's ultimately their business and their reputation as well yeah yeah but i mean isn't it like like those like china for example they wouldn't really like some chinese citizen or something like that they wouldn't be subject to like our patent laws would they um so you can actually get protected in in china yes oh, yeah. i see yeah so then there's something separate. So then at that point, then you would have some kind of like legal standpoint to try to like chase them down or shut them down from, from copying your stuff. Yeah. I mean that I think, and so I've never been in that situation. Um, and you know, Bivo is small enough at this point right. that we haven't run into that, but it, <laughs> that it's, it's definitely something you don't want to have to fight because the expense of it. And also just like being able to mandate it is I think very challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So you said your husband and you were skiing and you, you decided to start looking for these, like, like how you can do this, something in metal or were you, were you thinking metal initially or were you just like anything other than plastic or. Yeah. Anything other or, than plastic, but I think metal, you know, there's, there's all like Hydroflask and Swell and Yeti and those, those brands are out there paving. They've kind of paved the way in that world. So I think definitely our minds went to stainless steel or aluminum. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the big piece for us was just like, like you always have to unscrew the lid or um, they aren't designed to fit in a bike cage. So we definitely focused on the performance piece of this mm -hmm. space. 
Yeah. Yeah. So how do you go from being on the ski slope to like starting? Like, would you just go home and draw a picture? You just like have a bottle of wine and talk about it? Like, Yeah. started with the bottle of wine. Uh, and then I think that, so just having the experience of footwear product development was huge for us in starting it because we had really good relationships with industrial designers. Um, we understood the process of product development and 3D printing and testing. Um, so that piece of it was something that I feel very fortunate I've had a background in. Because um, I think, honestly, if I just had this idea, I really wouldn't have known what to do with it other than the fact that I knew exactly, I already had a relationship with the, um, a few different water bottle factories. Um, and so it was, uh, it was not as daunting. I think for us, the daunting piece was like, I don't know, getting our, our like first telling everybody we were going to do it and getting mm -hmm. our name out there and, um, the marketing piece of it isn't as natural. So, um, to actually create the product. Um, the first step we did was actually just do a lot of market research, bought some water bottles, saw, tried to see if we could find any solution out there. Um, and it was crazy to us that this wasn't something that somebody had already created before. Um, right. So then we started working with our industrial designer who, and we gave him design inspiration and, and pieces of um, the product that we wanted to make sure we hit. So like universal bike cage fit was a huge piece of it. Um, for me, I am like a noise person, so I didn't want to have a rattle in the, in the cage. So mm -hmm. finding a material on the exterior that wouldn't, wouldn't rattle if it, if it moved around a little bit in the bike cage. Um, oh, that makes sense. yeah. So just giving the designer elements of what we were looking for. Um, mm -hmm. and then in this, in this instance, we actually hired a third party engineer who, um, he previously worked at NASA, which we talk a lot about on our website, but we really wanted this to be, we wanted the water to flow quickly. That was important because we've seen, we did see other sport caps out there that just like trickled water. Um, mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure that you could drink as quickly and as easily as out of plastic. So that was yeah. a huge piece for us. Yeah. I had these, um like Arctic Yeti style cups made for um, my channel for, for some like merchandise stuff. Yeah. And the lid that they shipped it with, which I didn't really put any thought into is like the hole's just like a little bit small where it's enough that it like slightly irritates you that it's not pouring fast enough. Yeah. So that's like standing around in my house. So I could understand like, being you know thirsty on the trail or on a road ride or whatever and if the water's not coming out fast enough like it's it's pretty much going to be like a, a showstopper right yeah yep <clears throat> and then you don't have the ability to squeeze either so um so when you're initially doing research i mean uh, obviously you're you're thinking okay well i want this to have like a certain kind of aesthetic look to it but at the end of the day like a bottle that's going to fit in a bike bottle cage there's not really a whole lot of like different that you can do. It's already like predetermined that it's going to be cylindrical or whatever. Yep. But the lid is really what, what it comes down to for you guys. So you were, was there, you were looking for other things that were like similar or you were thinking maybe it was going to be a straw or like a pop-up kind of like camelback podiums or something like that or. Yeah. So we, in the beginning, what we knew is we wanted to be able to open it the same way as a normal um, cycling bottle. So we felt that the cyclist 
is used to like tipping the water bottle up into their mouth, squeezing and like the same motion. And it's something that's mm -hmm. so apparent in what you're doing when you're riding bikes. So we didn't really want to change too much of that. Um, there was one bottle that we had found that fit in a bike cage that did have a straw that you could suck out of instead of um, just tipping and pouring. Mm -hmm. But we felt that, yeah, the cyclists didn't necessarily want to change their motion of drinking um, as well as, uh, you know, one comment that we get a lot is actually this is our bottles are so easy to drink out of. You don't lose a breath. Like you can drink and you don't have mm -hmm. to like and lose a breath. So that was something we were trying to avoid too, like from drinking out of a, a straw, for example, that so many of the metal bottles have. Yeah. I think I was watching, you had like a YouTube short or something like that on your channel. And you, you said the whole bottle empties in like eight seconds or something like that. Yeah. About eight and a half seconds. Yeah. Which is actually faster than you can squeeze plastic. And our goal was we have to match it. Um, yeah. and so when we beat it, we were pretty happy. And then we actually had conversations. We're like, okay, we probably, we actually could make it a little faster, but we're like, we have to, we don't want it to be so fast that people take too much water all at once. Yeah. We did even have conversations about actually slowing it down, but people. Yeah. I would think at a certain point you wouldn't want it too fast because, um, I mean, you, I don't know if like rationing is the right word to say, but like when you're riding, like, like you, you adjust like how much you squeeze by like how much you want to drink. And yeah. you're also like kind of keeping this tab of how much is in there, regardless of like how much it weighs, you know what I mean? Like you, you kind of do like, there's a couple different ways that you're, you're keeping track of that. So I guess with that being said, um, I think you said the weight is, is kind of negligible, right? Yeah. It's um, it's, it's, six and a half tablespoons of water heavier than a plastic water bottle. Essentially, we like to compare it to how much water just because it, it really is not very much at all. Um, so this we have we have two, we have three models. One is a 21 ounce single wall water bottle. That's the um, first bottle we launched with called the Bibbo one. And mm -hmm. we went with single wall to start with because we wanted it to be lightweight. We knew that the weight issue would be something that cyclists would have to um, overcome. So uh, that was a concern of ours. And then we also did a lot of research as to what size is the most common and 21 ounces was the most regularly purchased for cycling bottles. So we came out with that first. And then we launched, we, about a year later, we came out with a 25 ounce Bivo Duo. Um, and that's also single wall. So that holds four ounces more water. And that actually quickly became that outsold the one pretty quickly because it holds more and people do actually tend to drink more water with Bivo. Um, mm -hmm. get that comment a lot too, just because it is so easy to drink out of. Um, and then we also launched with our in first insulated bottle this past summer and that's 21 ounces double wall. So that one is heavier, um, but it keeps water cold and it actually prevents water from freezing. So people are really enjoying that one for both winter and summer riding. Interesting. So the keep it from freezing part is inter really interesting. So yeah. uh, my experience with double wall would be like similar to the cups that I had made, like that'll keep ice in it for eight hours. You know, is your water bottle similar? Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's, we actually tested, I think at like 16 hours, but we claimed 12 hours cold. And I think people are so used to plastic insulated bottles that they're like, we've seen a lot of people saying they freeze them overnight so that they they stay somewhat cold on the bike. Um, but we've actually had people tell us that they've had to remove the amount of 
ice that they put in the bottle so that there's enough water for them to drink because it doesn't melt as fast as they would have expected. So yeah, it, yeah. Keeps, it keeps water cold for, for 12 plus hours. Yeah. That was the first thing actually that I w that came to my mind was that I would definitely not put as much ice in because I'm counting yeah. on that being liquid by yeah. the end. So yeah. um, that's volume. So yeah, for sure. So is the, the, 21 ounce bottle that's insulated how much heavier is that uh gosh you're testing my it's about double double the cost or double the the weight sorry but it's 25 we did use a thinner gauge so it's 25 percent lighter than the average um just standard vacuum insulated bottle uh-huh yeah it's lighter than the standard insulated bottle yeah there's like a, there's a new technology we are able to use to use a thinner gauge metal Oh, wow. So that's really interesting. Um, with the the single walled bottle, you had said that you had a covering on it for sound. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you sell them that are colored and then you have the, the brushed one. So the brushed one doesn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, that sound covering, though, does that provide any other like thermal advantage or is it no, it doesn't actually. Um, we, we, yeah, people do say they feel like it stays colder, but I think it's honestly um, the taste. People, mm -hmm. it, it tastes like water. And I think that warm plastic, like warm water that's been in plastic starts to taste like plastic. So I think the taste perception changes that for people. Um, but no, it doesn't have any thermal properties, but it does have extra grip. So that's kind of mm -hmm. nice too for in the hand and in the cage. Um, uh, it's like 50, some people love the raw. I think that there's, a, there's, you know, stainless is making a big comeback in the cycling world. So people love the stainless mm -hmm. look. Um, and the shape has actually made a bigger difference in the noise piece of it than we originally anticipated. So the shape of the bottle alone helps prevent, um, excessive rattling. But, you know, like if you have a king cage, a metal king cage and a metal Viva bottle, you will hear a little bit of rattle. Mm -hmm. And so that silicone coating that we have does help prevent that. Mm hmm. What's the what's the difference in the shape that is like introducing the like it to stay better? Um, the engagement with the neck of the bottle. So like where the cage kind of comes in and, and grabs onto the bottle, mm -hmm. that shape, there really wasn't a bottle that was designed to fit those previously. So I think like if you have a straight bottle, it's going to start dinging against that little piece that comes into the right. into and start making that noise mm -hmm. okay i see what you're saying hmm. so um you have these two different designs and i guess to back up a little bit you you guys had pro um like prior experience with a bunch of manufacturers and you you had somebody help you with the design of the bottle itself then how did you then start solving the problem with the with the the lid yeah, so actually the whole concept came around um, like shotgunning a beer. So if you think about letting water or letting air into the bottom of a bottle or bottom of a can and opening the top, it, it, the pressure equalizes and pushes the beverage right. out. So our first thought was actually, okay, could we put a hole in the bottom of the bottle? But that obviously would, would leak. So we, um, <laughs> so we, you know, we just kind of started coming up with ideas around how can we get pressure into the water, into the bottle so that, or air into the bottle essentially so it can push the water out. Um, so we had all sorts of different 
prints that we we worked on, um, 3D prints like of a of a 3D modeled uh, design. And we had a variety of prototypes and we used plastic bottles to start testing and just cut a bunch of things up and poked holes in them and hot glued them together and just did a lot of testing. Um, and we did have this engineer too that we worked with. And I think the mm -hmm. balance was you can come up with really complicated designs that would work really well. But the whole point of this was to make sure it was easy to use too and like not too many pieces and Clean, like for cleaning, for example, is a really um, big thing that cyclists talk about. It's hard to clean their water bottles. Um, and so we want to make it not so complex that it would be too hard to clean, for example. So the mm -hmm. ease of it was important. So we just kept like, we would have all these like crazy ideas and we'd, we'd keep talking about them. And then we're like, okay, we have to come back to simplicity. So that was a huge part of every conversation we had around um, developing the bottle was just like, okay, is it simple enough? Mm-hmm. So does it have like a straw attached to the bottom or it, I mean, can you talk about it without yeah, like yeah, away no, the trade yeah, secret? So I think you're supposed to, you'll be getting a bottle soon if you haven't already, but so it has, um, on the lid, on the under underside piece, um, it has a straw. And so that's attached to this vent hole essentially. And that's where the air goes in. So, um, our nozzle, I know that not everybody will watch this because it's a podcast as well but so you just open and close like a normal sport nozzle um mm -hmm. and then this this little b which is actually the bivo b um that hides a, a vent hole and so when you open it it opens into air and then you just pour um so it goes really fast yeah and the other thing is it doesn't have any a lot of times when you drink out of um a spout like this you get air in the water like it's kind mm -hmm. of plugging to let the air in so that that water comes out um and this is just a super clean stream of water so you don't get any you're not drinking air at the same time yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah this has um this has a straw inside so this straw that's attached to the bottom of mm -hmm. the lid which is fully removable for cleaning that's what lets the air in got it so does that like connect to something that's in the um Oh, wait, though. So the air is coming through the lid up in the straw and actually into the, the chamber. And then that's what's helping it push it, it out then. OK. Yep. Yep. So, so it's not like the straw is using to suck the water. The, it's the opposite way around. So it's exactly. like, using it. yeah. OK, I got it. Yeah. So those yeah. of you guys that are listening, basically the lid sort of looks like a like if you're familiar with the Camelback bottles where it has a straw on the inside of it, it's, it's essentially looks like that, but you're, like I just said, not drinking out of that straw. And um, the aesthetic of the bottle is really like, it, it looks really clean and it looks really good. And when you pointed out the, uh, the B on the top. So when she was talking about that, it's actually like the, the nozzle that you're drinking out of the way it's shaped below it. It makes it look like a B for Bivo. So did I say it right? Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, and that's really cool. I like stuff like that where it's like just a really like small kind of, of touch though. It's kind of like the, um, the Apple attention to detail kind of stuff, you know? And, and, um, that's really, that's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. We had our, our brand person, uh, he was with us, like I said, right from the beginning and he touched the product a lot too. So I do agree. Like having those, those touch points is really nice. And, it was great to have him as part of the the early design process because I don't think we would have had the the B on there without him. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I would imagine the the coating then really helps with if it's like um like if it's cold and your hands are wet and you're touching metal they get it sticks. So does the coating? I would assume the coating kind of stops that from happening. Yeah, I actually so I I like I said I was a Nordic skier, so or I am a Nordic skier, so I I use this in like a carrier in the in the winter around mm -hmm. my my hip and. I used to use the um, the raw because it slides in and it, like the silicone has a little bit of stickiness to it. So it, it sticks to fabric a little bit more. So I used to use the raw um, in the winter. But now that I've now we've changed the exterior a little bit. So it's a little bit less sticky and it's nice because your gloves stick to it better. And then it also like when it gets wet, it's not as um, slippery because it's easy to you know, drop a bottle in the snow or whatever. And then the whole outside is wet. So um, yeah, the, the exterior coating definitely helps with that grippiness for sure. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I, I don't know if that's just like certain materials that do that when it's cold. So when you're using the raw one, is it does like, if it's wet, is it going to like stick to your fingers? Like if it's really cold out or. You know, I've never had that happen. Okay. Uh, I've been in cold. Like, so we live in Vermont. We're up in uh, yeah. Richmond, Vermont. And so like this, uh, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, it was minus 14. So it gets cold here. Um, mm -hmm. And I skied, uh, you know, a few times with this for like two hours at minus four. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, I never had that problem, actually. And the yeah. night is it is nice, too, because the, the, the nozzle is so open. That's part of the the design to get water to come out so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but that actually helps the nozzle from freezing too, because there's not very many nooks and crannies for the water to go around. So um, that's, that's a nice feature as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to word this question without it sounding weird. So I'm just going to go with sounding weird. Like, does it like, how do I explain this? You ever drink the smart water bottles? they're like it's like a, the brand smart waddle and they and they have like a nozzle on the end that's almost like a like a fire hose almost hmm. no i don't um, know anyways when you drink those like the way that the water comes into your mouth is pretty similar to what you're saying like it doesn't have extra like air in it and mm -hmm. whatnot and it's kind of like more pleasing like for some reason yeah. so i was assuming like the way that you're explaining your nozzle your, your nozzle it, it probably has a similar effect because Cause when you're, you're doing that with no air in there, it, it's a lot more like, like drinking out of a glass then. Yes. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. We, we, that has been on our site from reviews from customers writing in. Um, yeah. People say it's like drinking out of glass. They say it's fun to drink out of, which I always think is funny. Um, and that it just is like a very pleasing experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it took you guys a year, you said a year and a half to, to get to market. Yep. Um, we did hit COVID in there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we actually, at one point we kind of paused because March, 2020 hit, we were like just getting our first 3d prints from the factory. And mm -hmm. we we're like, should we go like, this doesn't seem like the best time to, to start a business maybe. Um, but then, you know, the bike industry was doing well enough and, uh, so we, we, we paused for probably a month and then, and then kept moving forward. Mm -hmm. So what was that launch experience? Like you guys got, you know, a freaking creative of bottles to your garage and you're like, okay, we're, we're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually so 
COVID hit, our daughter was 18 months. Um, we were we were living in Portland, Oregon, um, and we were worried about childcare shutting down. So our work in footwear had done a lot. We've done a lot of work with China, and one of our employees was from China, lived in Portland, and her um, her family actually was like, "You need to come back to China. It's going to get crazy in the U.S." So we were kind of like our fingers were on the pulse, quite um, maybe a little early compared to the rest of the U.S., just knowing that we were dealing, you know, who we were talking with every day. Um, mm-hmm. So we left Portland in anticipation that things were going to shut down. We thought we would leave for like a month or two months and come back. And then um, we moved in with my parents in Western Massachusetts. So they have a they have a winery um, that mm-hmm. they turned into a winery when I was uh, in college. And so we lived with them for 16 months and used their winery warehouse as our spot for launching. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, cool. that was our first warehouse. It's my parents' place. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you, what was your initial like launch? Was it, okay, we're going to sell this like direct to consumer or because of your background, you already had like ends with retail or what? Yeah, originally we had planned on going to retailer and direct to consumer, but then because of COVID, so we um, we started a pre-order in August of 2020. So we um, we did only direct to consumer for launch, and that was honestly just because all the bike shops were mostly closed um, or people so, weren't shopping. So how do you have people to like? How do you promote something that nobody knows about? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Through my background in cross-country skiing, I had a lot of connections with cyclists. All my friends were cyclists, um, and I did ride quite a bit, too. Um, And then while we were developing the bottle, we actually sponsored the Cycle Cross Crusade, the Cross Crusade out in Portland, um, which was a huge, huge uh, cycle cross um, race race series, actually. And I I think like Portland and um, Pacific Northwest and then the East Coast were two huge hubs for cyclocross. So we sponsored that event with a bike wash um, and just talked to people about our idea. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like a that was a bit nerve wracking because we didn't have the bottle developed. And we started talking about the brand. We had a brand name. We had our brand logo. Um, but we didn't have anything to show people. And so that's yeah, that must have been like quite the thing. Like you're driving there and like, okay, we're gonna tell everybody about this thing that we don't have. Like just yeah. imagine it. You yeah. know, like, you, you guys had to be like feeling like, are we a little crazy right now? Yeah, and probably people thought we were a bit crazy, but I think that it was maybe <laughs> because our branding did get out there, and uh, the big goal for us was getting people's email. Um, so people would sign up for our email list and we would send them updates on the development and when we were going to launch. And so we had a pretty good um, launch email list. And so um, right from the beginning, we were able to actually reach enough people that it that we could sell our bottles. Um, we also got into some pretty good press. We had hired a press agency who helped us get in the right places. Um, so right when we launched, we actually were in, were in different publications um, mm-hmm. but yeah, through my parents actually, so at their winery, they also have a cycle cross, they had a cycle cross course. They still hi- host some cycle cross, um, bike camps. And so mm-hmm. even just through that connection, we had a lot of people that we knew would help spread the word. So, um, we've definitely bootstrapped as, as best we could. Um, we've done a small friends and family round. Um, but otherwise we've, we've 
bootstrap self-funded and um, tried to spread the word organically. So no like Kickstarter campaign or anything like that? No, we didn't do a Kickstarter. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. So um, I know we, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier when you were talking about materials and you were looking into, but like, what is wrong with BPA, like kind of plastics instead of like, why, why go down this metal route? Yeah, a lot of research actually, you know, in the beginning, we're like, okay, we're doing this for health reasons. So there's, there's two things that we really believe in is one reducing waste. We did a lot of surveys um, with avid cyclists in our like prior to the bottle development. And mm -hmm. we found that the avid cyclist can go through a crazy amount of bottles, like up to 64 per person per year. I mean, that was kind of like the high end of what we found. And um, then others would go through like 12 a year or something. Um, so the amount of bottles that are being used is, is what are they doing to their bottles? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a mountain biker and I'm like dropping mine and running them over and stuff. And I, I don't think I've bought a new bottle in a while, <laughs> definitely longer than a year. <laughs> yeah. So I think what the big hold up for people was, um, mold, mold buildup uh -huh. in their bottle. So they're hard to wash. Um, and so we, yeah, it was kind of, and then like you talk to these pro teams, like, EF announced that they came out with like 35,000 water bottles last year. They used 35,000 water bottles last year. So it's just, I mean, the amount of, wow. they're like, they're kind of looked at as disposable. So yeah. we want to talk about that, but, but honestly, our first idea was around health and there really isn't enough data around what plastics do to our bodies. We unfortunately don't know enough. Mm -hmm. um, but what we do know is that chemicals do leach into the water that are, that are in plastic in particular when they're scratched. So like if you do wash them with a brush and can scratch the inside of plastic, that's actually when it starts leaching more as well as high heat. So like if you put them through the, the dishwasher, for example, that's really not good for, for plastic. So um, they're hormone disruptors. Um, All the things that I do to my bottles, basically. <laughs> <that's> not, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making me feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's, um, there's a bunch of forever, forever chemicals that are found within and forever chemicals never leave the earth essentially. So, um, we just, we are finding out more and more, actually, we just posted up on LinkedIn, a, a study on, on plastics, um, in water or water in plastic water bottles and how many chemicals they're finding inside. So essentially you're drinking chemicals that you don't really know what are doing to our bodies because we don't have enough study done yet. But yeah. we do know that there's a lot of microplastics out there um, and that they just found uh, microplastics in the blood, in our blood for the first time um, as well as within babies. So it's, it's, it's a problem. I think that, you know, we've all gotten really used to drinking out of plastic and it is super easy. Um, but hopefully, hopefully we can make a little bit of a change here. Yeah, no, I think it's definitely like the right idea because in my mind, like, let's just make the assumption that, you know, humans have evolved over time and, and, uh, plastic is not something that has been there for a long time. So your body like doesn't uh, adjust to things in a couple of generations, you know? So I, I, I would imagine that almost any substance that you start putting in your body, like more than how we've like grown to, to adapt to, um, it's not going to be good. I mean, like even you even see that with like 
let's just say sugar and yeah. how much people have been able to eat sugar now in the last couple hundred years compared to how we've evolved, you know? And, um, I, I, I can't logically think of a reason that you would be like, Oh, drinking plastic's fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's scary. I mean, it's in everything. And so I think, you know, the more and more where you are too, the, the, the scarier it is, I think is yeah. like every, every soda can is lined for, for instance, with, with plastic. Um, and so it's, it's, it is everywhere and we're learning more and more, but, uh, I think there'll be more and more studies too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, it's also one of those things that, that, um, not to diminish its value at all. It's also like a trendy kind of thing as well as like, get rid of all the plastic stuff that you have. Yeah. So like that helps as well. I mean, I know, um, I'm not a, a person that's like overly concerned about the amount of plastic in my life, but it also like makes sense to me, like what I just said a minute ago. And we recently like replaced all our Tupperware with glass, yeah. you know, just because it was like, you know, I just like you, you see how that stuff degrades over time, like just from like putting in the microwave or whatever. And you're like, yeah. I just can't like wrap my head around like this being okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that scratching, I think that's what you really want to look out for too. It's just like the scratches within the plastic. That's when it's time to move on, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, then you also mentioned the high heat thing. So like that for me is like at the end of the day, I'm lazy. So I'm going to put everything in the dishwasher. Yeah. So I'm assuming that uh, your, your bottles dish, dishwasher safe. Yep. Yep. It is. Yeah. The, the body of the bottle can go in the dishwasher, the nozzle and the straw from the lid, those actually are fully removable and those are uh, food grade silicone. And so those can also go in the dishwasher. The lid is tested as safe in the in the dishwasher, but we don't recommend it. We just wash it by hand with uh, with mild soap and a sponge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, why don't you recommend it? Uh, just because I think that plastic shouldn't go in the dishwasher. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, a personal. High heat, the high heat is definitely something that you want to avoid. Mm -hmm. Um. What um. What, what, if anything, do you think you made any mistakes in that first year and a half? Yeah. Um, we actually, when we first started to, when we first got our shipment, our first purchase order arrived at my parents' house, um, we found out the exterior coating was peeling off. So we actually had oh, no. to postpone our launch by three months. We had to fix the problem and then, and then launch after that. So that was our, that was our like big mistake moment. And honestly, what happened was we couldn't go over to our factory, which, so my background again is in manufacturing and mm -hmm. I worked with probably 30 different companies in the time I ran my footwear development agency. And I would always like my number one recommendation to them is you have to be at the factory for the first time you do your first production run. Um, and so unfortunately, unfortunately we couldn't do that because the, yeah. you know, everything was shut down. And so we did have a team over in China that went and saw our production and, and made sure it was looking good, but something went wrong in the, the timing of when this coding went on and, um, it, yeah, it started peeling. So we, that was a, that was like a pretty devastating, like, oh shit, I don't really know what we're going to do moment. And mm -hmm. then we just, you know kept moving forward and launched about three months later. So, it, you know, 
the pre-order still went when it when the pre-order still launched when we originally intended, but people just had to wait longer for their bottles. Mm-hmm. Everybody was so nice and understanding. And I think people appreciated that we didn't send bad product because it was only, I don't know, probably 50% was was not good, but it was hard for us to know what was bad and what was good. So we just held mm-hmm. back everything. And um, I think people appreciated our um, diligence to sending out quality product. So does the supplier at that point, like, did they dirty, did they take a hit on that or did you, was it all just you guys like had to kind of. Yeah, we worked out uh, a deal with them. I think we split the problem. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. So um, you said that you had some connections with, with retail aside from just the, um, the direct to consumer how did you get into that like retail or where did you is it like local or did you get something national right out the gate or how did that go um, down? yeah right away we actually said no to retail just because at, at that point we had changed our business like the way that we were operating enough <clears> that want to chase wholesale um and so we just started accepting people who emailed us um so it was definitely word of mouth we had a few shops that we had talked to prior to launch out in Portland, Oregon. And so um, we worked with them a little bit, but but honestly, actually that was completely word of mouth um, mm-hmm. for the first, for the first full year, we really didn't reach out to any retailers, um, but mm-hmm. several reached out to us when they heard about it. Mm-hmm. Because it is such a novel, like it, it's just, it's the only option really out there now. So mm-hmm. when people heard about it, they would, they would reach out and start selling them. So are you in some bigger, like, cause to me, it sounds like a, like, it sounds like an REI type of product or, yeah. you know, something along that lines, like without a doubt, you know? Yeah. We're in some East coast, uh, REI, REI, REI stores here. Um, we're in mm-hmm. MEC in Canada, all doors in, in Canada. So I think there's 21 mm-hmm. doors. Um, and then in about probably 45 other retailers across the, the country. Mm-hmm. And we're actively expanding that at this point because we know that cyclists and outdoor people like to go to their local shops. Um, mm-hmm. In particular, cyclists just like you go and get your bike tune and you get your accessories there too. So there's mm-hmm. we know that there's this like really nice connection with your local shop. Mm-hmm. How um like what kind of like volume were you doing the first year then? So like, how do you even like judge like, Hey, we should order 50,000 bottles or we should order like 500. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, we did some interesting, just like my husband is quite good at this piece of it. Um, this was our um, product manager and <clears throat> person, um, Peter, he, they did some really good analysis of major Metro area areas and, um, tried to like understand the percentages of early adopters and really, really analyze deep on how many bottles we could sell. And I think the first year, I don't know, um, we were within hundreds of bottles. Like we ran, we've run out of like, we've run out of a few styles in particular, the insulated, we underestimated the amount of Mm -hmm. um, demand there would be for that. Uh, But we've been pretty tight on inventory, making sure we didn't purchase too much. but, you know, this year, I think we were uh, like a thousand bottles off of, or no, not a thousand, sorry. We were like 500 bottles off of what we predicted. So I think that um, 
it, yeah, it's just kind of really good analysis. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing yeah. to me. I, I um, know some different people in my professional career that do that kind of analysis and it, I just don't understand how, how they come up with it. Cause me, I'm just like, I'd pick a number out of a hat or something, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, that was actually part of my husband's job at Icebreaker when he worked there. He was a demand analyst. So, mm -hmm. they, yeah, part of that strategy came from his background in that in that department. What's the turnaround for you guys to get an order? Uh, it's about four months. Uh -huh. Yeah, it was five to six. Now it's short shortening now that COVID is easing. Um, so it's mm -hmm. about four months. So do you go out and um, try to patent or trademark or whatever your your bottle or or how do you what do you do to protect it? Yep. Yep. We are patent pending in I can't remember how many countries, I think 36 countries. Um, mm -hmm. So we partnered with a, uh, actually a, an agency who really loves to ride bikes. Um, and so they've been our patent attorneys from the beginning. So we're still working on that process. It's a really long um, mm -hmm. process, but yeah, we're, we're patent pending, which means that we're protected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a long process. And I, I would imagine that like, you definitely want to be protected because it's, it's, um, I feel like it would be fairly easy to reverse engineer. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like, uh, yeah, you can, yeah, you can buy it and see it. And so, um, yeah, yep, for sure. Yeah, we um, the company I work for is a, a robotics company, and and a lot of times we don't do patents because in our mind it's like by the time that somebody would do the the research and figure out how to do what we're doing, we're already doing something else. So, yeah. you, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, you guys will have it, but you'll be like still ten years behind, you know? So yeah. But um, something like this, yeah, like 100%, you want to be yeah. protected. How long does that last? Isn't there like a, a term on that? There is a term. I actually don't know the terms of yeah. what I'm about. But yeah, I mean, that's the, it is, it was shockingly, I kind of joke about, you know, our goal is to get water to come out really quickly, but it's actually pretty hard to keep water in too. So, you know, engineering a bottle is in, in footwear, for example, we were working with intolerances of like two millimeters. And now mm -hmm. we, so much more, um, more tight. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Thousands, thousands of millimeters. Now exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was, a, it was definitely a learning experience to figure out how to engineer this, this bottle. Mm -hmm. So, um, I know when I've talked to some other people that are manufacturing things, there's like really high costs for like the mold or something like that. Is that, yeah. um, something similar for your product or? Yep. Yep. And actually, so it, it seems crazy, but there's about 25 different molds to make this whole bottle between the lid mm -hmm. and the bottle itself. So, um, yeah, the molds are expensive. Uh, and I, I think it can range for the lids. A super simple lid will probably be 10,000. You can go all the way up to like 40,000 for a really complex lid. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, yeah, that that's just a... There's a lot to it. You know, it's not as easy as some people would think. You just kind of hook up with some manufacturer and be like, all right, yeah. I want to do this. Yeah. Although so, that was kind of interesting. That was a, that was a bit different for us too, coming from footwear where like we always came up with our own, we had a design that we would 
manufacture to like, you know, and so we had to work with the development team at the factories to, to develop the product and make sure it looked the way that the designer intended it. Mm-hmm. But water bottles, it's a bit, it, the industry is different in general and that like, there's a lot more just like, oh, I'll take this water bottle off the shelf and I'll put my logo on it. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that happening, whereas there's not as much independent engineering happening. Uh, so that was a bit of a learning curve for us too, and that the factories weren't actually as used to working on on engineering a specific product for a one unique brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most part, they're like, here's the ten different lids that we use, and here's the exactly. twenty different bottle shapes, and yeah, one. Tell us yeah. some colors, and we'll print whatever you want. That's right. Yep. Yeah, because I mean, for the most part, when you go look at water bottles, like there's a few different options, you know, like the lids, there's a couple of different options and, um, you know, yeah, I can totally understand that, 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 that makes sense. And it's not something that, I mean, like we, we initially said, you know, it's like, this is the shape of a bottle. You know what I mean? Like this is how the bottle cages work. So unless you're going to like get everybody in the world to buy a different bottle cage, you can't really change much about it, you know? Do um so let's talk a little bit more about the lid. So I think on your your YouTube video, you were saying that you have to push down and then pull up to to open it. Is that accurate or no? You just push down to close so that water doesn't pour out, and you just oh, okay. less like a normal squirt nozzle. And that was kind of a huge a huge part of our goal was just to like make it the most n- normal compared to what people are used mm-hmm. to experiencing. Yeah. So, and it, and it looks like the shape of the water bottle that has more of like the rubbery kind of nozzle that you can just like grab with your teeth. It's not super hard. It's, that's, is yeah. That, is it? yeah. And then you said that the, the straw and the, the lid is like silicone. Yeah. So we went with, I, the back to the scratching of plastic, we wanted uh-huh. to have wherever your teeth like you you can see on a lot of nozzles that your teeth start to scratch the plastic so we wanted anything that was touching your teeth to be food grade silicone because silicone is inert um so like you can like you see in a lot of bakeware for example so you can bake in hot high heat um and it doesn't it nothing leaches into the what's in it um so that's why we decided that the straw that was sitting in the water as well as the nozzle that your teeth were touching could be sil- food grade silicone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think didn't Specialized make a water bottle recently that has like an internal silicone lining or something like that? Uh, yeah, it's like a glass um, silica. So sand is actually what is in basically, it's, I think glass and silicone. And so it's a it's some sort of coating that they have that's um, like glass. And so it, I think derives originally from sand. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you originally had your one bottle. What was, was it like by the time you're coming to market, you're already working on the second design, the bigger one, or was it, you just saw how it responded and yeah, then. Yeah, we had a good product, uh, expansion plan and we knew that that was going to be our second bottle. Um, and so we were in the development process of that when we, when we launched our first bottle. Mm-hmm. And then um, obviously you have the the 21 ounce insulated. Is there plans for that to be bigger as well? Um, 
smaller actually we have one coming out in just a little over a month that's going to be smaller and so part of the the problem with insulation is it takes up a lot of space um mm -hmm. because it, you have to have air around it to uh, keep everything cold um mm -hmm. so fitting on mountain bikes was a big uh, mountain bikes in women's frames was important mm -hmm. We actually came out or we're coming out with a smaller one that will fit better on smaller bike frames or more aggressive geometry and mountain biking. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, it's funny. We do actually get asked a lot for bigger bottles. So I'm sure at some point that'll come out as well. Mm -hmm. Where do you see your your company as like long term? Do you think it stays with bottles? Do you see it kind of bleeding into some? I mean, because obviously you have this lid that is um in my opinion like it's kind of a game changer for that type of of, of container let's just call mm -hmm. it that yep i mean one of the complaints that i would have with the hydro flask is that you have to unscrew it you know and um to have something that's easily openable like the lid that you have i mean like it, it bleeds into a lot of other areas yeah yeah <laughs> we so we said we're, we call ourselves a performance hydration company, um, mm -hmm. and that gives us the space to move into other uh, areas of the hydration business. Um, and then we definitely see ourselves going outside of cycling. Um, like I said, we, we, we bootstrap this. Um, we're trying to be very targeted and make sure that we gain a good uh, market share in cycling. Mm -hmm ban too quickly outside of it. But honestly, we did a survey recently. I think 95% of people said that they're using their bottles outside of cycling. We know that there's a lot of space. Um, there, there's a lot of performance areas that people would really love these bottles. Like golf, golf is one that comes up actually quite a bit because it fits in a cup holder and in golf carts. Um, mm -hmm. So I know, you know, even like I'm a big runner too, and running um, is another opportunity. So we'll definitely expand into other sports and then into other types of hydration products as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know like I use, my wife and I both use that, those Arctic cups a lot. And um, just having a lid that's open or a straw or whatever that's in the car, it's always kind of a drag. So it's like, to have something that was a little bit more like a water bottle would be, would be great. Yeah. Um, we put like fruit in our water a lot. Mm -hmm. So like lemon or sometimes she'll put like strawberries or something like that in there. And um, how does that affect your bottle? Does there anything with that that would? No. Yeah. So it's stainless steel. So flavor really doesn't hold on to the metal. Um being able to be put it in the dishwasher is hugely helpful. Um, and so, and then we, the, the straw, you can put that again in the dishwasher too. And then we also sell it with a squeegee so you can clean it out nicely. So no, I think, you know, these are meant for different sports drinks. Um, we know that people put them in there all the time. We tested them mm -hmm. with like 10 different noon, 10 noon tablets at once to see if it would like you know, put pre the pressure would be too much for the nozzle. Um, so we did a lot of testing around that too, but yeah, feel free to put whatever you want in that. Yeah. So you don't have to worry. I know that's one of the things like with my bladder and my camelback, I used to always have like, here's a bladder that I'll put Gatorade in and here's yeah. a bladder that I'll put water in. Cause it seemed like once you put something in it, it changes the way that your water would taste forever. So it'd be like, sure. yeah, I don't want to do that. You know? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, I guess the big question is like, what does this thing cost compared to a regular bottle? 
Yeah. Um, so if you're comparing to plastic, it is more the we start at $35 for the 21 ounce raw. Um, mm -hmm. And the insulated is 44 for the raw and 49 for the the silicone coated version. So we're pretty comparable in the metal space. That's definitely a learning curve uh, in the cycling world, just because people are so used to drinking out of plastic and plastic bottles are obviously cheaper. Um, but yeah, I think once you start comparing it to metal, it, it, it really makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you said 35 to 50 is what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, some of that stuff you don't, um, you don't do because of the cost. Like you're, you're not like, obviously like if it, the cost was too high, you're like, okay, well this isn't worth it to me. But yeah. I think some of that stuff you recognize, like this is something that's going to last a lot longer. Yeah. I mean, I would say other companies like Hydro Flask have kind of paved the way for you to be able to have a price point like that. I think if there wasn't the popularity of things like Hydro Flask or like the cup that I showed earlier, um, that's a big leap for people to make from like a $10 water bottle or maybe a $25 water bottle. I think I use those insulated ones from Camelback, the podium ones. I think they're yeah. like 25 bucks or something yeah, like that. Right. Yeah. 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 So realistically to like upgrade to something like this, that's metal, it's not much more. Um, then what about like the, the wear of them? Like, is there any like concern of like, Hey, you drop this thing. It could like crack or bend, or that's going to mess something up or. <laughs> yeah. So we've had a few that have gotten run over by cars. Um, they definitely do dent if you drop them um, from high up uh, there. And then the exterior can, can scratch over time too. Mm -hmm. um, but that's all cosmetic. It doesn't really affect the performance unless if um, we've had a couple instances of the lids of the lids cracking, but for the most part, these last a lot longer than they should be able to last few years. I'm still using mine from our first, some of our first uh, samples actually. So they do last mm -hmm. a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Do, is there any kind of like, warranty kind of process if the with the lid or something like that went wrong i can't really see the, the bottle itself going wrong but like yeah we have like a crash uh rep lid replacement um oh, no. discount so if you know you send it in you say i crashed and, and that kind of thing so yeah we definitely um we know that that lid is uh the lid is the piece that we can that we will sometimes need to replace but mm -hmm. it doesn't happen very often so, um, are you, I think at the end of the day, something like this, it's really, it would, it helps more to, to see it in action or to like actually be able to use it or something like that. Um, are you doing events or something like that? How are you getting like this in front of more people? Yeah. So well, I, we live in Vermont and there's a lot of good gravel riding here. There's a lot of good mountain biking too. Um, and so we participate in both mountain biking and gravel events here. We set up and give, yeah, every time we pour a bottle in front of somebody, it, eyes kind of light up and it makes sense. And people really, I think we have like a, we joke, we have like an 80% conversion rate when people see our bottles pour, cause it just makes a lot mm -hmm. of sense. Um, and so we love to be at the events. They're just like a really fun scene and we bring our kids a lot and we have a team here that helps us, um, that helps us work the event. So it's always a good, good time on the weekend to go out and, and, and ride some of these rides and 
and sell some bottles. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I would say definitely seeing it, it pour, it definitely, um, I mean, it just, it, it's so fast. So it's like the things that you would think of, like what would like be restrictive, it kind of changes your mind on that. Yeah. I think Do you feel like, go ahead. ahead. I no, think the biggest thing for people is that like immediately your mind kind of goes to like, oh, but you can't squeeze it. Like, how do you get water out? Um, mm -hmm. So when they see it, that's definitely helpful for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say like, how quickly do you get over trying to squeeze it? Cause I would imagine like the first time you use it, you're going to try to squeeze it. It's like muscle memory, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, the bigger thing is actually like getting used to the flow rate. It just, it does deliver more water than what you're used to when you're squeezing. Um, uh -huh. I think that's the bigger piece that people but uh, have said that it takes a little time to get adjusted to, but honestly, it's like a few, I think it's a few sips and then you kind of mm -hmm. go over it and you get used to it. Does it have like, um, does it have to be like at a certain angle before it starts pouring or like, can you control the flow by how much angle that you raise it? Uh, the angle doesn't help as much to control it, but what you can do is like, you can kind of use your mouth to control it a little bit. And then you can also like some people have found don't even open up all the way. They just like to, to have it halfway or something if they don't like mm -hmm. having so much water come out. So it's controllable by your mouth and by the nozzle itself. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. I would, I would think then you can kind of just like use your tongue or something like that to kind of control how, yeah. how much yeah. it's coming out. Yep. Interesting. And, um, hmm. yeah, that's, that's definitely... I would think that the thing that I would be concerned about is, is yeah, first of all, you think about the squeeze thing, but the other thing is like, how do I know like how much is in there? But I, I guess with my regular bottles, I, I I just know it by weight. Yeah. So with the bottle being heavier or metal, like when you shake it, can you like tell how much is in there still or? Yeah, you can feel it. I think it's kind of a similar thing. Like you get used to how much your bottle weighs and then you kind of mm -hmm. know how much and you can shake it and hear, hear how yeah. much there is in there. Yeah. Also yeah. just by the way you're drinking, you kind of can feel, feel yeah. how much you have left in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely like, it's something interesting to like, when you start thinking about all the different ways that you're kind of calculating what you have, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and, uh, just it being a different medium, you're like, I don't know, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah no, for sure. Yeah. I think once you use it too, you'll, 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 it mm -hmm. is good to test it and just see, cause it is like, it's, it, it's a faster adoption, I think, than probably you, you'd expect. Mm -hmm. And then any difference of like, if you're using like a, like carbon water bottle holder or anything like that, you don't have to worry about any extra weight or size or anything like that. No, no, that's not a problem. I think, you know, cage fit is one that's a, is a, it's kind of a, a touchy subject in terms of like people have such personal preferences on what they like. Um, you know, one of our team members, Izzy, she likes uh, king cages the most. And then mm -hmm. my husband, Robbie, he's like, he wants it as tight as possible. So he likes mm -hmm. a Rundell Bando cage. So we've done a lot of research into what people like. And it's, it's like, pretty hard to recommend a cage for someone actually, because it's way more of a personal preference than you would anticipate. Um, but we find that most people tend to like carbon or um, plastic cages. 
and that, you know, if you're a metal cage diehard, um, that probably like the silicone coated version is, is better than the raw, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think most people in the mountain biking space are probably using plastic or carbon. Um, yeah. But. Well, and then huh. also the other, I mean, a lot of people are starting to wear the hip belts now too, to hold bottles. Mm -hmm. Just because the geometry on bikes is getting so aggressive that it's harder to fit bottles in there sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do that. And I, I tend to carry a hip pack that has a spot for bottles instead mm -hmm. of the bladders. I don't like the ones with the bladders. I yeah. don't know. It's just, um, the way that the weight is, and I just don't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, huh. I was trying to think of, of different scenarios, like how I would use it or whatnot. And um, I'm kind of drawing a little bit of a blank right now. I was thinking about filtering and how I would do that, but that would be right, really no different. You just fill it up just the same as, as I would with anything else. So, yeah. Um, what, what do you think this year looks like for you guys? Um, so you asked about events earlier. We're going to be at Sea Otter for the first time in April. So that'll be a fun event that I've actually never been to. I've been to a lot of trade shows, but never to uh, Sea Otter. Um, so I think 80,000 people come to that event. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah nice it'll be crazy on the weekends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you been before? Yeah. I, I live close to that. So okay. I, I go every year. Um, so I'll definitely see you there. Cool. Um, where, where's your, where's your booth going to be? Um, S 83 is our booth. Uh, it's close to, I think there's like a kid's ramp, um, uh, in an ice cream, ice cream truck. Okay. Yeah. All right. Not too far. I know where they usually put like yeah. the kid uh, like, pump truck kind of area. Yeah, so it's, it's kind really of right, right around there. Yep. Yep. Okay. Right near there. Yeah. And then participating in a lot of, uh, local events too. Um, Vermonters are like very loyal to Vermonters. So we get a lot of love here in Vermont, which is always fun. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of gravel rides, some mountain bike rides. Um, we're connected with Vimba, which is the uh, Vermont Mountain Bike Association. So we're going to be doing coming out with a special collaboration bottle with them April first. So that'll be a fun thing to get out there. Um, and they have a series of events ar around uh, the state this summer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would imagine you guys could probably do something a little like Earth Day kind of thing as well. Mm -hmm. That would be a, a little bit of a push because of you're kind of eco-friendly, right? Yeah. I think I, I read on your website as well that the metal was recycled and some of the, yeah, the plastic or something. Yeah. Stainless steel is infinitely recyclable. So um, that means that you can like reuse it and reuse it and reuse it over and over and over again. So if there is ever a time that people want to recycle these, you actually can just put them right in your recycling bin and they will for sure get recycled. Um, that's another problem with plastic is that you just really, we don't know exactly what gets actually recycle versus what goes to the landfill um and so uh that's some that's another piece that that's hard with plastic mm -hmm. and aren't you using recycled material though as well um or no so our lids are not recycled yet we are working on a post-consumer waste recycled material for the future uh, it's actually something that's been hard to get um certified by the FDA. So everything that comes into the country needs to be tested uh, for chemicals and, and approved by the FDA. Um, and so we just want, we're just um, waiting for that to be, to be um, approved by them. Mm -hmm. So if people are listening and they want to buy, do they just go to drink 
drinkbevo.com or can they go to Amazon or? Yeah, we're not on Amazon yet. Um, drinkbevo.com as well as uh, you can find on our on our website, different retailers if you want to buy something locally. Mm -hmm. So um, what's your expectation with sea otter? Uh, our goal, one of our goals, like kind of basic goals this year, is just to find more people, get more people knowing about us. So uh, we figure it's a really great place to get some visibility, uh, both from a retailer standpoint and consumer standpoint. Um, so yeah, just just be become a little more known. We're just uh, mm -hmm. a little over two years in the market, so still a lot of people have not heard about us and trying to trying to grow the business. Yeah, yeah. So what do you like? Are you just going to like be displaying the bottles or how, how, how are you going to pitch this to people that are walking by? Yeah, you know? we just had this conversation earlier, just before this podcast. Um, we have, yeah, some different ideas in mind, but nothing solidified yet. We're going to be across um, the row from scratch, which we've been uh, become pretty good friends with over the last couple of years. Um, so we're trying to do something fun with them. Uh, we have a few people that ride with Bivo. Um, Magalie Rochette, she's a, she's a cyclocross racer from Canada. She's going to be there. So hopefully a couple rides will start from our booth. And then we actually are working on a display now that is shows the, um, bottle pouring. It's like, it's on a pump. And so essentially it like, just looks like it's continuously pouring. So it's upside oh, down. Yeah. It just kind of recirculates the water. Um, yeah. so we're trying to get that ready for, for sea otter so that people can just like, as they're walking by, they can see what, what the bottle actually does. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I would think that like, there's some way to like make some kind of display that people can see the, the flow, because like you said, that's the thing that really, um, makes the difference, right? That's the yeah. thing that grabs people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been working on that. We've been trying to figure out exactly how to do that at both retail and just like at events. I mean, most of the time we have enough people working that we can just keep like we keep pouring back into bottles, yeah. pouring back into bottles and just, you know, show show it off. So um, that's not too hard at events. But for retail, we're definitely trying to figure out exactly how to just it's it's eye catching when you see it and it like totally clicks with your head. So um, we're just trying to figure out how to make that work at retail too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can like think of things in my mind, you know, of how you would just see it. And I'm sure you guys will come up with something good there. Yeah. But um, I think the, 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 the question would be like in your mind would be like, okay, well, is that like modified? You, you know what I mean? That would be the yeah. only thing that would be like, there's no way it comes out that fast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Sea otter should be fun. Um, have you ridden in that area? No, I haven't actually. Nope. Are you guys thinking? Actually, no, anything? sorry. I mountain biked in Santa Cruz. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe six years ago. That was, yeah. Pretty, yeah. 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 yeah I did really... a road trip and, and brought a mountain bikes down there. That was really fun. Yeah. So are you guys, um, you, you're getting in like that Wednesday before or spending like how, how long is your trip for that? Yeah, we'll be Tuesday. We'll arrive Tuesday night, set up Wednesday and then head back on, on Monday. So we'll be there. Yeah set up Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. I usually try to go on the Thursday and Friday just to like, for me, I want to talk to the, the, the businesses, you know, and, uh, yeah. on Saturday and Sunday, it's like, it gets pretty crazy. So there's yeah. just so many people there. It's, it's like, 
everybody's everybody's getting pulled in 10 different directions. So Thursday and Friday is usually a lot easier to talk to people. Yes. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's an experience. I, I think the first time that I ever went to Sea Otter, it was almost a little bit overwhelming to me because there were so many vendors and so many people. Yeah. So it's really hard to like, sometimes you walk around and somebody else will come up and be like, dude, did you see this? And you're like, no. <laughs> and they're like, it was right there next to, let's just say like Cali. And you're like, uh, I was standing there talking to those guys. I didn't see that. It's just because there's so much going on. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's, that's really exciting. I think yeah, that'll definitely give you a lot of exposure. I, I would imagine. So yeah, I think so. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of media there as well. So, um, you know, that I think that'll, that'll really help you guys out. So cool. that'd be, that'd be, that'd be super fun. What are you, um, what are you looking forward to outside of Sea Otter? Um, so we're planning, uh, so Rasputitsa is a race out in East Burke, Vermont. That's, uh, I think it's famous for, I don't know, maybe, maybe five years ago, it was 31 degrees and like raining, snowing, and it was kind of a brutal thing. So like every, I think every person I've talked to that has done it that year is like, I don't know if I can make it back, but they, but they keep doing it because it's just a fun, good challenge. So that's in East Burke, Vermont, um, the last, actually the week after Sea Otter, um, and we're going to be doing an art show. We're sponsoring an art show. So we're going to have some artist bottles there, which will be fun done by some different cyclists. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's another good, good event is Ranger, which is also in Vermont and Tunbridge where the world fair happened. I don't know, maybe a hundred years ago or something. Um, mm -hmm. and that's another good, good local ride that we'll be participating in. So the artist bottles, those are just like special runs that you guys get done or? Yeah, we laser etch them. Um, and so mm -hmm. we've worked with with uh, different designers um, to create something unique for for that show. Do you guys have some kind of um, thing in place that if, let's just say I was a brand and I wanted to have, you know, these made for my company or something like that, can you do that? Or is that that not something that you guys do? Yeah, we do. We started doing that just a little under a year ago. And mm -hmm. we work with different brands and retail shops to put their your own custom logo on it. And that's mm -hmm. all done through laser etching at this point. Mm -hmm. Other than we do we make in, in our factory as well, we do some customization, but the numbers have to be, we have to hit a thousand units. So mm -hmm. um, that's for, for the larger companies, but yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Um, you have to be fully committed if you want that. Yes. <laughs> You're yeah. not getting 10 for you and your friends. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, yeah. that's really exciting. I, I think you guys got a lot going on and um, it, it sounds like uh, like a, a full year and definitely um, you're very East Coast centric. So it would be it'll be interesting to see how how Sea Otter helps you guys, you know, expand. What made you decide to go to that event? Um, it's just so huge. Everybody talks about it. Um, Izzy, who's our, uh, customization manager here <clears throat> in, in Vermont, she's done, gone to it with Cannondale previously. Um, so she talked about it. Our press agency talked about it. Um, yeah, just different. I mean, it's such a big, big event. I think it's, mm -hmm. yeah, that's it a lot of really good visibility. So we figured it was a good opportunity for us. Last year we went to Unbound Gravel in Emporia, Kansas, as well mm -hmm. as sugar in Arkansas. Um, so it's nice for us to expand a little bit outside of local events and start getting your name out um, across the country. 
Yeah, yeah. Do you see a higher adoption rate? It sounds like, um, is it gravel because you guys do that a lot yourselves or is it, um, that's the higher adoption rate there? Gravel's huge in Vermont. So in here you have, I think it's um, over 50% of the roads are actually dirt in the state mm -hmm. of Vermont. So there's just a lot of really good riding here. Um, there is good mountain biking too, but, um, and I think that's getting more and more popular. There's some really interesting happen things happening with like private land where mm -hmm. owners are opening up their, their land to allow trail systems to go through. So now we have over a thousand trails in the state of Vermont, which is really cool. Um, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like an un, I don't know, it's an under known thing. I think a little bit, um, the Northeast kingdom was kind of the, the forerunner in the state of Vermont where there's just tons of trails and it's a mountain biking Mecca. Um, and now that's happening a little bit in other parts of the state as well. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think my background in cross country ski racing, just the, the, um, it, the endurance there, I, I guess it's just naturally brought me more towards gravel. Um, mm -hmm. I actually, I mountain biked a lot when I lived in Portland, um, and up on Mount hood and, uh, Mount St. Helens. But out here, I've definitely done more gravel riding. Yeah, there's a lot of good riding in the Portland area, definitely. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got really good dirt up there, so <laughs> that's for sure. Um, shoot, I had something I was going to ask you, and now I can't remember what it was. Um, is there anything that um, people tend to complain about? Bottles? Yeah. Um, I think probably our biggest complaint is... Well, there's two things, I guess. One, before we launched the insulated, some people didn't realize that they were not insulated because I think people's minds immediately, like when they see a metal bottle, they think insulated. So having the differentiator on the website has been helpful. So that's that's been something we, we've been able to overcome. And then the scratching on the exterior of the bottle, I think is probably something that people, um, it's like 50-50. Some people actually appreciate the worn look, like it's gear, you're supposed to use it. And there's like, yeah. a lot of people are like, see this, see this right here. This is that this like point where I was climbing up this hill in Italy and I fell over yeah. and I scratched <laughs> it, like this memory in my head. So some people yeah. love it. And then other people are like, but my beautiful bottle, it's just it right. scratched. So it's kind of, a, a, that's probably our number one complaint. Uh-huh. Do you think that you could make some kind of sleeve for it and it would still fit in the cage, like a really light sleeve? Yeah, maybe. I think we, we definitely have had some people say like they've modified, um, they put like a silicone band on the X on like one piece of it so it doesn't hit the cage as much um there's definitely things that we're we're working on we honestly one of the biggest things is just like making the exterior more durable and we've been able to do that um it's actually i think two and a half times stronger than it was originally now so that's been great we have a lot of people we're testing it and we actually one of our um adam morse who's one of our ambassador he's a big enduro racer um he was just in mexico testing it for a month um, and rode a lot of miles and he barely scratched it. So that was, that was promising to see. So that it's like working on the current durability as well as like in the, into the yeah. future, will we ever make a cage? I don't know. Or like another solution to attaching it to the bike. The, yeah, yeah. I'm curious about the, the thermal side of it as well. I know, yeah. um, shoot, I can't think of the name of the bottle right now. It's, I got one of them up there. It's the the magnetic. Oh, the Fidlocks. Yes. Yeah. And and um, 
I like the idea of those because they're super clean where like you take them off of your bike and your bike doesn't have these cages on it. Right. Yeah. And, um, but they don't have any kind of insulated bottle and there are bottles for whatever reason, I, I guess because I'm used to using an insulated bottle that like my stuff get would get warm, like super fast. Yeah. So that was one of the things that actually kept me from using the bottle was that it just, it, everything got hot too fast. And I was talking to them at, I think it was actually at Sea Otter last year. And they were saying that they were like, you know, I asked them, are you developing a uh, insulated bottle? And they had said that they were doing some testing, but like the size thing becomes a problem because like, you know, you, you end up either making the bottle bigger or the area that you can cup, hold water smaller. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, they were saying that with the testing that they were doing, that just putting a sleeve on it, that they could get just as like, like they could make the the bottle react just as well as an insulated bottle mm -hmm. in some cases maybe even more time just by having some kind of sleeve on the bottle with yeah. them they're not as restricted as the space as you guys are but right. yeah 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 no i've heard i've actually i mean even like the the paper around like a beer can sometimes that can that can insulate mm -hmm. a little bit as well yeah and there's a balance of like how much insulation do you need like how much Right. How long are people riding for? You know, yeah. some people ride obviously for eight plus hours, yeah. you know, another yeah, yeah. people, but like on average, probably people are an hour and a half to two and a half hours, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, at a certain point, it's like, it doesn't have to be ice cold all day. It's just like, I don't want it getting hot. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Or like, or like too hot. So would you say that the bottle, um, like, how long? does the, the temperature stake hold on the silver or on the single wall one? Is that comparable to a, a regular water bottle? Is it longer than a, like in my mind, I would want to think that the metal would keep it cold longer, but yeah, I, I don't know if that's accurate. Really comparable to plastic for the single yeah. wall. Yeah. So you would expect about the same performance then in that, in that aspect. Yeah. 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 But like I said, I mean, it's really like the taste, like, I think that's another thing that, you'll you'll think when you, you use it is it's like oh wow this actually tastes like water like tastes like your lemon water whatever you put in mm -hmm. um so i think that makes it just feel better drinking warmer water because it doesn't taste bad yeah yeah you definitely get that that plastic funky kind of taste at the end of the day whenever everything's yeah. kind of warm in there so yeah that that's no good especially whenever it's like those last couple of sips are usually like, you're like, okay, I've been rationing myself. I'm, this is my last swallow. And now yeah. it's not even going to taste good. So, yeah. <laughs> so. and yeah. then you said you have a difference between a 21 and a 25 ounce bottle. And I just want to say this for people that are listening. Um, four ounces sounds like a lot of water, but it's really not. So um, I have 21 and 25 ounce bottles and realistically, it's like another swallow. I mean, would you say that I'm accurate there? Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, it does help if, especially yeah. if you're carrying two on your bike to have the extra yeah. ounces, that's a full class extra. So yeah, yeah. 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 It's just, it's like, it's nominal. You know what I mean? Like, don't like, don't feel like you're, you're yeah. So I, I just want to say that for people because it was one of those things where I know when I originally bought bottles, I, I had got two different sizes and I was thinking, oh yeah, this is so much more. And then I like poured it full in the 21 ounce bottle and then just dumped that into the 25 ounce bottle. I was like, 
this is almost the same. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it is more. So that that's definitely a good thing there. Yeah. Um, do you feel like there's anything we haven't talked about? I don't think so. Yeah, you had yeah. Some great questions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I, I also appreciate you taking the time to to hang out and, and chat with us for for the last hour and a half here about about your water bottle and what you got going on. I'm really excited to to try it out and um, also to see how you guys are doing in Sea Otter. So yeah, it'll be fun to, to catch up with you there. Yeah. Um, what um what the heck was I going to say? Oh, one of the things that I like to ask people at the end of the show is, do you watch YouTube? Yes. What are some of your favorite channels? Actually, I shouldn't say I do watch much YouTube. I watch much YouTube. (laughs) I always ask, like, what 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 channels you like to watch? Just it doesn't matter if it has to do with cycling or not, because it's fun sometimes to see. uh, Gosh, there's anything. Good stumper. I honestly, uh, let's see. I don't really watch any YouTube channels. What I do watch. So this this um, this week is so like I said, Nordic skier. I'm a big fan of Nordic skiing and it, this week starts world championships. So that's coming up. So that's exciting. That's what I'll be watching uh, this yeah. week and next right week. On. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I just kind of put it together too. When I was in Norway, I was in Tromsø, which is like the oh, northern nice. North city. Yeah. And I was thinking, wait a minute, she's a skier. She probably knows where that is. Most people don't, but uh, yeah, yeah that, that's a, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Cause when I went there, I never thought that it would be a place that, other people in my life would know where I was talking about. Yeah. And I've met so many people that had like have either been there or know of it. And I'm like, this is just crazy. So anyways. Yeah, pretty up there. I actually spent Christmas up in that area when I the year I lived there. And it was mm-hmm. just crazy because it was so dark, you know. But yeah. Fun. Yeah. 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 It's really, really uh it's 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 very beautiful there with all the fjords and stuff like yeah. that. So yeah. Do you guys have any kind of like sales any ter- time of year? Or are you a company that just this is the way it stays? Or yeah, right now we're just uh, honestly trying to keep up, and we haven't mm-hmm. had to do any sales, which is good. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's a wild ride. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> is there uh, free shipping when people buy buy from your site as well? Or one hundred dollars, we have free shipping. Yep, yep. Okay. There you go. And yeah. would it be so? Yeah, I guess you'd have to get like three bottles then to be at, at that kind of at that price. Yeah, point. it's too insulated. We also have a dust cap that is nice for especially mountain biking or um, gravel, you know, wet roads um, that helps mm-hmm. keep the, the dirt off of the nozzle. So it's another add on you can have to put yourself over 100. Yeah. How much is that? Those are, um, what are those? Those are $5. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. I use um, a couple of different products for that kind of stuff. Whenever you have a bottle on the, if you have a bike that has a cage on the bottom t- side of the down oh, tank, yeah. yeah, it's definitely like, definitely you're either going to do one of two things. You're going to, or one of a few things, you're going to eat dirt or you're going to like, just dump it into the clean bottle. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or you can buy a lid of some sort. So yeah, yeah, that's definitely good to know that you guys have a product like that. Yeah. Well, Karina, once again, I really appreciate you taking the time and hanging out and all of you guys that have hung out with us for the last hour and a half as well. We appreciate you you too. Definitely swing by Drink 
bivo.com. Oh man, I nailed it that time. I got it. It. <laughs> give them, give them a look. You can check out their Instagram or their Facebook as well. But uh, like I said earlier, if you go to their YouTube channel, there was a, a short on there that shows them using the product, which is um, one of the things that I, I would imagine you probably have the same thing on your Instagram, or your Facebook. Yeah. The yep. little video you guys pouring it. So that definitely is one of those things where you're like, wow, that's, it's definitely, it, it's, it's, it, it catches your attention. We'll say it that way. All of you guys that are, are here in the Northern California area, which I know a lot of my listeners are and probably had nowhere to see out or definitely go swing by the tent over there and let her know that you heard of the, the, their product on the biker bar. That'd be cool. So Anyways, I appreciate everybody out there. Thank you for those of you guys that are on Patreon. If you guys are checking out her Instagram, do me a favor and swing by mine as well at BikerB1. Give me a follow. Thumbs up if you enjoyed this. You podcast listeners, write me a review. Five stars only. If you're thinking three or four, not worth your time. Anyways, if you don't want to do any of that, just remember it only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one.